So today on Lifelong Learning, we're going to talk about the evolution of physician education from the perspective of the physician. You are listening to ReachMD Radio, and this is Lawrence Sherman. Welcome to Lifelong Learning. I'm pleased to be here for another great year at the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions Annual Conference. Joining me here at the ReachMD Mobile Studio is Dr. Brian McGowan, Chief Learning Officer and co-founder of Archimedics. Hey, Brian. Good afternoon, Lawrence. So we've been talking a lot at this conference about changing the way physician education is or should be done. And I know that that's a topic that you and I have been talking about a lot for a lot of years. Yeah, I think one of the things I'm taking away so far, so we're about uh, eight hours into the first day of the Alliance meeting, is that we've kind of moved from talking about the way it should be done, maybe to actually looking at some models of how it's being done. So a fascinating talk this morning from one of the fellows at Khan Academy, and they're doing some fascinating stuff with the uh, ABMS and the anesthesiology specialty societies. And I think some of the, the things that maybe the general public and the physician population know about Khan Academy, it'd be interesting to understand how it's now being applied within medical education. I'm not sure everybody's that familiar with that. Well, you know, let's take a step back. Sure. And let's think of it from the healthcare professional perspective. You interact with a lot of them. I mm-hmm. interact with a lot of them. I'm hearing more and more that the younger, more recently trained physicians are looking for different types of education as they do their lifelong learning. What do you think the trends should be as we move forward from the physician perspective? What should they expect? What should they look for? I kind of come at this from two different perspectives. The first is that we know that there is a, the clinicians kind of have a schema and an expectation of how they learn. So by the time they've made it through medical school, and we've seen this in multiple studies, by the time you've made it through medical school, you kind of have an idea of who you are as a learner. So if you're trained in an environment that's rather traditional and and maybe the way medical education's been provided for the last three or four decades, then I think you end up being a lifelong learner with this expectation of one way of studying and one way of finding information. So I'm not necessarily sure that I totally agree that the younger generation because of age is looking for new ways of learning as much as it is they learn to learn differently and that's what's connecting them to learning. Right, it does and again I'm not looking at it from age per se but it's what educational experiences they were exposed to as they got their medical education because we know from the undergraduate medical education perspective many schools are evolving, they're changing, they're changing the way the curricula are being developed and taught. So as we think of it from that perspective, let's get back to the Khan Academy for a second. Some of our listeners may be exposed to it not because their own education has been impacted, but perhaps that of their children or friends. And what could they learn from that? This to me is a social graph question. So the way my mind works, right? So physicians being open to watching learning taking place in different ways I've spoken a lot about how the, and quite frequently, a 55 or a 60-year-old physician, been in practice for 20 years, actually, ha- w- the way the life pattern works, they may have young teenage children, right? So in, in one way, we're looking at them as if they're at a certain part in their career. In another way, you can look at the same exact clinician, and they've got young children. They've got a household that's opening their eyes to different perspectives. There may be new technology that their children are applying within high school and junior high that they're aware of that they wouldn't have been aware of in other cases. 
Now, what can they do with that information? So somebody's listening to us now, yep. and they've encountered that, and they're an adult learner, they're self-directed, they found something that's of interest. Who do they go to to say, this would help me learn? If their goal is to formalize that, to take that experience and say, I want to try to apply this and formalize continuing education, then I think you have to turn to the office of CE in your institution, whether it's uh, at a hospital level or at the medical school level. But I think what we're finding is that, and, and someone actually tweeted this this morning to talk about a new learning style, that they didn't know the value of Khan Academy until their daughter started taking math classes that they realized they didn't know about. And they now find themselves going to Khan Academy to learn enough about the math so they can go back to their daughter and teach them the math that they're not necessarily picking up in school. In that way, that, that one faculty member, that one physician, is now opened up to an entirely new way of learning. That brings us to a, an interesting perspective. Something else that came up this morning was the evolving role of the attending physician from simply teacher to guide. And I wonder what your thoughts are on that, because a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are in that position. And I wonder how they can help not only themselves, but those that they impact as far as education. It's a great conversation. This idea that coaching and mentoring, Atul Gawande discusses this quite frequently. Um, you look at the greatest professionals in other endeavors, and almost all of them are open to coaching. It's actually part of the culture. Best tennis player in the world is open to coaching. The best basketball player in the world. Or golfer. And the best golfers in the world, quite frequently, um, are open to coaching. But somehow the greatest surgeon in the world feels as if coaching isn't something that would benefit them. So I think we're, we're turning a corner, at least this community of continuing education professionals who are trying to support f physician lifelong learning, I feel like they're turning the corner with the value proposition that coaching and mentoring offers. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And, and so what tools do they have or as they're thinking about what else they can do for their own learning? Let's start with that. What can they start to build in? I think if you have a specific problem that you're trying to solve, and, and this is how we've thought about physician lifelong learning since about 1983, is what do physicians do to change? If they have a problem, then they have to find the solution that addresses that problem. So if it's a question they have in practice, then they may actually be looking for opportunities to find specific answers. So we've seen the evolution of systems like UpToDate, Clinical Key, and these point-of-care learning opportunities that far surpass the efficiency and the effectiveness of a Google search or a Wikipedia. But we also know from data that clinicians are using Google and Wikipedia quite frequently to answer those questions. As long as it's a first place and not an end place. And I have some question as to whether it isn't an end place more frequently than we could ever imagine. Yeah, so if my middle schooler and high schooler can't use Wikipedia as a primary reference, probably the healthcare community shouldn't be doing it either. Sure. And now if the, if the challenge is more about general competency or they're preparing for a test, a board review, or they're preparing for maintenance of, of certification issues, then the issue becomes more about aligning the different areas that they need to learn more about. So here I don't think the systems are structured as much as we want. What we're specifically trying to do within Archimedics is pilot different approaches. So the idea of there being a calendar of electives 
that a, a physician may have opportunity to participate in, where they don't have to go out and find 20 different educational activities, but maybe they can find one educational activity that allows them to dive more deeply. I believe the answer to your question is, in some cases we have structure, but a lot of cases physicians um, lack the structure they need to find the answers in practice. If you've just tuned in, this is Lifelong Learning with Lawrence Sherman, and you're listening to ReachMD Radio. With me in the ReachMD mobile studio at the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions Annual Conference is Dr. Brian McGowan, Chief Learning Officer and Co-Founder of Archimedics. Brian, that, that last point was a very important one, and I think it's a nice segue into talking about how the listeners can develop their own personalized learning network and personalized learning system and understand how they can enhance their own lifelong learning. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, there's so much tremendous data here. Clay Shirky's writing has been really impactful. Even some of Gladwell's recent stuff is really impactful. I think we need to accept, and I'd be surprised if this isn't generally accepted by most, is that a clinician can no longer know everything they need to know. The latest stat that I saw is even for a primary care physician, if they were to read everything relevant to their care that was published in one calendar year, it would take them seven years of reading 24 hours of data. So clearly we need to do something differently with the way we think of knowledge in medicine. And you and I talk a lot about personal learning networks. There's, there's things that I know that I can recall quickly, and there's things that I, I can't recall quickly, but I know where to go to look for that information. That's not a new concept in medicine, right? We've always had these trusted colleagues that we call on, but I think that system, we're getting to the point where that system can be enhanced um, through artificial intelligence ways, through digital ways, and through other ways. You know, it's funny. I always liken it to a joke. I can recall a joke, a good joke, that somebody told me 15 years ago, and you've probably heard me tell most of them several times. And it's, it's easier for me to recall that than to recall the Krebs cycle. <laughs> uh, what that says about Mr. Krebs cycle. Um, there are, there's an interesting argument to be made about is the goal of medical school to in to push into the brains of burgeoning clinicians all the clinical information that they'll ever need in practice or to give them enough of a foundation in in medical information and then really spend the bulk of the training teaching them how to be better learners and teaching them how to organize and structure information more effectively. I'm not sure we've really gotten to that latter latter structure. Well, and it's about preparing the listeners here to understand that they have a very important role in their own education. Yeah, there was a great conversation that I had yesterday. Uh, There's a concept in business called the doom loop, where depending on the career arc that you follow, you may find yourself, instead of moving from one part of your career to another and eventually moving into the role that you eventually saw yourself in, that you, you get into this cycle where you're, you, the challenges become too few and the complacency becomes too much. We're liking, um, beginning to apply the doom loop concept into lifelong learning for physicians. And the, and the point that was made yesterday is most of the physicians I've met, I'm sure most of the physicians you met, we would consider to be some of the smartest people that we've met, people that have a natural inclination for um, constructing ideas, for analysis, for synthesis of, of, of new knowledge. But they don't necessarily know how to overcome failure in the learning setting. 
as much as maybe someone who was a B student or a C student in high school or college. As educators, I think one of the things that we need to focus a little bit more energy on is are we are we preparing learners to actually take a failure and then develop a plan of action to overcome it and move beyond it? Can we get clinicians beyond their own learning doom loops and actually allow them to um, utilize trial and error the way you and I probably use trial and error on a daily basis? Because we're used to it. So if you could give one or two tips to the listeners about how they could tomorrow or even today contribute more to their own education and lifelong learning, what would they be? I I think the number one tip that I normally provide people is whether it is through new media or whether it's through existing media, whatever approach you're going to take, I would like to argue that if you would open up your personal learning network, 10% of it, 15% of it, open it up to somebody who you don't agree with, to ideas and concepts that you don't believe, that you don't hold as your own. If you keep at least 10 to 15% of your bandwidth open to new ideas, that you'll find yourself learning and you'll find yourself integrating things that you didn't have perspective of before. That's my probably my golden rule. So actually from a practical application perspective, you could say open yourself up to one new idea a week. Sure. Something like that. So, so we're not thinking in terms of percentages, but we're, we're thinking and we're having the listeners think in terms of what they can do tomorrow. Sure. I, play, I think that plays into brain training. That plays into other, other ideas of how to keep the plasticity. One idea, but don't just open yourself up to it. Do something with it, right? Apply one new idea a week. Try to find that one question where you're going to go someplace new for the answer. You're kind of nailing it with a Lumosity CME, I think. I think there's there's an opportunity there. Um, there's a gamification opportunity there. There's there's something there for us to grab onto, but not just do it just for doing its sake. Let's try to find the right value proposition for these new models in medical education. I, I think that's right, and I think maybe to wrap it up, they can think of it from the perspective of at the point of care because that's where many of these people are going to be when that one question comes up at the point of care think of a different way to try to find the answer to the question absolutely if if your normal approach is to reach into your pocket and click on something in your smartphone or if your normal approach is to go to one particular person within your institution for a question just try to go to a different person just open yourself up to that opportunity this is Lawrence Sherman, and you've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD. I've been sitting here talking to Dr. Brian McGowan, Chief Learning Officer and Co-Founder of Archimedics. To download this segment, go to ReachMD.com or go to the ReachMD Medical Radio app on your iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, or BlackBerry smartphone. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much.